All right. Uh, Good to have you here this morning, and let's go ahead and take our Bibles, and we'll turn once again to the book of Jude, and uh, just want to continue some thoughts on making a difference here uh, this morning, and so we're going to begin here uh, looking at the text that we looked at last week there, just before the book of Revelation, you have the little book of Jude, and uh, again, a good book, a lot of good content in there, Um, but let's start in uh, Jude, as we did last week. In verse number 17, and we'll read down to verse number 23. Jude, verse 17, it says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus, how they told you there would be mockers in the last time who shall walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in the most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. I want to continue some thoughts on being a difference maker here this morning, but I want to call uh, call your attention this morning to making a difference with your time. I'm encouraging you to make a difference with your time. Let's go ahead and pray as we consider this thought here from the Word of God. Father, thank you, Lord, for your Word again today. We thank you again for the, the time you give us each week. We thank you for the life that you so graciously have given to us. I pray, Lord, that we would use our time in a way that would please you. Help us by your grace to make a difference somehow And in different ways in this world, help us to see that our life should be surrounded about trying to make a difference both in in our life and in the lives of others and certainly in the life of God's will. Help us by your grace to see that here this morning. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not sure if you watch the Monday night football game. Anybody watch the Monday night football game? You could raise your hand. Of course, my son smiling here in the front row and said he was watching football. He's a football fan, he's a football player. He was watching the Monday night football game. But you see an amazing event happen on Monday night. We've had complaints about people kneeling during games, right? Uh, kneeling in protest and that sort of thing. But on Monday night, there was an unusual event that took place where a, a, a player by the name of DeMar Hamlin, tackled some one, and then after he had tackled them, he got up and then suddenly fell to the ground. And you could see that in videos all everywhere and that sort of thing, and, and there was a lot of people concerned about DeMar and all that sort of thing. So what do you see the football players do? What do you see the football players do? They, they went to the ground and they began to pray. They began to pray about this situation. And think about those football players that went to the ground to pray concerning that situation because a lot of those guys probably couldn't really do a lot about that situation. In the case of this football player, he's about 24 years old. And all of a sudden, as far as we know from the story and also news stories that came after the event, that he had a sudden cardiac arrest. And that's not a heart attack. I've learned a little bit of heart and, and heart conditions after this event, but... He had what they call sudden cardiac arrest. He didn't have a heart attack, which deals with, like, my mom, her plumbing, so to speak. They call it the plumbing. You know, your your vessels and stuff that go in the heart, they get clogged, and then your your heart stops, your heart is hindered in some way. 
but he had what is called sudden cardiac arrest. And I believe anybody uh, around the vent would say that happened. And in this case of him having sudden cardiac arrest, uh, there were players that were praying. There were first responders that were coming to his assistance. And uh, the event is turning out good or, or great, someone would say, right? Have you heard any more news about that? Anybody heard about any more news on that? Uh, it was intensive care to begin with that night. Uh, the game stopped, all those kind of things. And uh, long story short, he has, uh, again, gave a message out, uh, again, through uh, uh, Instagram that he's thankful for people praying for him and continue to pray for him. The guy is alive today. And someone says, why is he alive today? He actually, the physician said, literally died on the field. But someone helped resuscitate him. And who was that that resuscitated him? We didn't find out on Monday night. Didn't find out on Tuesday night. If you were trying to follow the news, you didn't find out on Wednesday. But came out in the news. Uh, again, an assistant athletic trainer by the name of Denny Kellington was able to begin CPR, just simple compressions to his heart that probably saved his life, but not only saved his life, but also saved his brain. And I think about people like that, people that make a difference. You know, Denny Callington could have froze as I had, and I talked to my children and some of you before, have had maybe a, a first responder freeze in a situation where they're, mo- where they're supposed to help. I used to work in a, a, in a factory over in Fargo, and we had a first responder there by the name of, I probably shouldn't give the first responder's name because he froze. But anyways, uh, he, didn't, he was not able to respond to the event that happened on the workplace. Again, a 20-year-old person at that time had a very bad accident happen, and they end up dying. He performed CPR, the second guy. And again, I know both of the guys quite well. But uh, anyways, long story short, the CPR didn't work. He died on the work site. He was but 20 years old. And uh, again, uh, I say that to, to say that he tried to make a difference. The first guy froze. His name is Matt. If I don't give his last name, nobody would ever, ever check him out. But Matt, Matt froze. When he was uh, supposed to try to make a difference, he went to the site, he saw the destruction that took place. And again, I say the destruction that took place. A hub came out of a CNC and uh, struck this 20-year-old in the face. Anyways, it, it didn't turn out well. And I wasn't able to perform CPR to get that 20-year-old alive. And he died again over at the factory there over in Fargo. And uh, I think about the other guy who tried to help, and his name was Daryl. And, uh, and Daryl wasn't a first responder, but he came and, and performed CPR on this man, this young man. I know his name also, and his name is the same as mine, Mike, um, by the way, but uh, wasn't able to resuscitate. The guy died on the work site. You know, life and death can happen like that. And I think it was good if this event uh, that happened nationally, Monday Night Football, a lot of people watch it. If there's anything that was good that really come from the event, there's a lot of things, I think, that come good from the event. People praying for someone, that's a good thing. People considering life and death, that's a good thing. But again, I, I think about this guy by the name of Denny Kellington. People say that he should be someone remembered for this event because he was just an assistant trainer that came to the site, and all he did was uh, compressions, 
for sure. That I mean, some say he did compression. Some things said he actually did mouth to mouth, etc. But I guess I'm guessing he just did compressions because that's normally what the protocol is today. But the, the doctor from that scene basically said that if he or someone else had not done that, he would have died on the field because his heart had stopped. The first thing that Denny uh, checked was his pulse. It was not there. If you find someone's pulse not moving, so to speak, or beating, so to speak, the first thing you need to do is start heart compressions. You say, why? Because that, that'll force blood. I mean, the pump isn't working, right? The pump, the heart isn't pushing blood to the body, giving oxygen. So, so by doing those compressions, it moves, again, blood to the body, which can save or salvage a person's life. It wasn't only Denny there that probably saved his life, but also a device uh, that was also used alongside with that, from what we can tell. But again, he was having struggles with breathing, so they gave him oxygen and all those kind of things. But think about those people that made a difference in the life of Damar. Damar would have died on the field. As soon as he came over, so it's been keeled over, maybe that's not the way to say it, but as soon as he fell back, I mean, it was just, he just went, from what I heard, just drooped. He just collapsed. If someone hadn't made a difference in his life, he would have died on the field. The Bible says of some have compassion making difference. I believe that we, as Denny and others, can make a difference in people's lives by the way we use our time. Time was of the essence there, especially when it comes to his brain activity. Oh, he could have lived after that by maybe doing those heart compressions. But even today, from what I hear, his lungs are having some issues because oxygen didn't get really to his lungs. I mean, you need lungs and that sort of thing. But I want to say this. If Denny and others hadn't responded to that activity correctly and rightly and helpfully, he would have died. In fact, the physician said he died. The attending physician said he died. In a sense, he died because his heart stopped. If that heart wasn't resuscitated, he would have died. I believe in resuscitations, honestly. Someone says, I don't believe in people being resurrected from the dead, but I do believe in resuscitations where someone, because of whatever reason, we don't know exactly why the reason was, but the heart activity stopped suddenly. And they say there's a number of different reasons why that could have happened, but it stops suddenly. And if it's not started again, a person dies. If your heart stopped today and nobody helped it to be restarted, you would die. And we know of people, they're saved through CPR. And so I just want to say this. If you want to make a difference, maybe it would be wise, or wise for any, everybody to consider maybe learning CPR. Because maybe sometime in your life you'll be called into a place where you can make a difference. And I'm not saying you have to learn that or, or know that. But I'm just saying he was able to make a difference through being able to do that. And so time is of the essence. I mean, a minute... A couple minutes, a few more minutes, and it made a difference in how he would recover from this situation. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. All of us have time. Every one of us have, again, time before us. At least someone says, you know, I have time before us. And we, we know that more than likely we'll have, again, a life before us. And that life will continue more than likely today, tomorrow, next week, next year, Lord willing. But when it comes to time, how can we make a difference? I want to look at some thoughts on time, and, and the Bible teaches on the subject of time. 
And so let's begin here as we study on the subject of time. First Peter chapter 4, I want to read the first eight verses there. The word time is used some 550 times in the Bible, and certainly so. Again, I think we can learn some things from that here this morning. First Peter chapter 4, verse number 1, it says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banqueting, abominable adulteries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached unto them that are dead, that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober, watch unto prayer, and above all things have fervent charity, among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Let's go ahead and pray here today. I want to pray concerning this thought of making a difference to time. Let's pray for the word of God in this time. Father, thank you, Lord, again for this time we can spend together this morning. Father, we have time before us, and we've had time past in our life. And uh, each day we have choices to make in the use of our time and, and how the time of our life will be spent. Help us by your grace again to uh, seek to make a difference uh, through our time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Certainly, Denny Kellington, by performing CPR, made a difference with his time. Absolutely, right? You'd agree with that. I, I'm sure each one of us would agree with that. But with Christians, there's a purpose to our time. It mentions the word time there several times there, and I'm just going to zero in on verse 2 and 3 to begin with here. It says, But he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to rot the will of the Gentiles when they walked in lascivious and lust, excess of wide revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries, it goes on and says, where do they think it's strange that you run not with them in the same excess of riot speaking evil of you? They don't like that you don't use your time the same way that maybe you used to use it. There are several words here, and I just want to mention here, it mentions how we used to use our time. Before salvation, it talks about the writer using his time and others using their time after the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, Excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. That doesn't mean we all used our time equally in all these different things, but it mentions lasciviousness. And again, that word lasciviousness deals with lewd desires or sexual drives. It mentions lust when it encompasses a number of inner desires, uh, which could certainly be bad in most cases, probably all cases, and uh, it goes on and talks about there 
and uses the word excess of wine. It mentions revelings, banquetings, and then it mentions idolatries. It mentions our time used in vices and sin prior to salvation. But it mentions also there in verse number two this, that we should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh in the lust of men, but to the will of God. And then it goes on there and says in verse number 16, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. How can we make a difference there in our time? We need to live differently than we used to live. I don't know how you used to live. I, don't, I do know how I used to live. But we should live differently than how we used to live with our time. And uh, people think it's strange that you live that way. It says there in verse number four, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. You know, people should be living differently as Christians than non-Christians. We're not to live in lasciviousness and, and uh, again, having and being preoccupied with sexual desires. We shouldn't be living in lust. In other words, living for our inner desires or inner lusts, whatever they might be, and we should not live, be living according to reveling and partying and all these kind of things. And we shouldn't be living after abominable idolatry. I want to back up, if you would, to the book of Romans and look at some thoughts on lust. I mean, if you're not going to live a certain way, you're going to have to know what it means not to live that way. Well, here in Romans chapter 7, verse number 7, the Bible says this, What shall we say then is... The law, sin, God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Certainly one of the definitions of lust is coveting. To not live our life as a covetous type of Christian. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We can covet after things, we can desire after things, we can go after things, we can spend money on a lot of things and our life can be centered around lust or lasciviousness or other things such as idolatry. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 6 says this also about lust. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6, now these things were our example to them. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And you can go back and see what things they lusted after there in the book of Exodus. We shouldn't lust after evil things. So we shouldn't lust after evil things. We shouldn't covet after evil things. And so if we do these things, we'll be avoiding lust. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes. We looked at this last Sunday night. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, if you would. If you weren't here, uh, we talked about, again, the, the youth and uh, that sort of thing, a challenge from Solomon concerning the youth. And uh, certainly that each one of us should be challenged to live our life according to the will of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 there, verse number 9, it says, Rejoice, O young man, in the youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thy heart and in the sight of thy eyes. But 
Know thou that for these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now the Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, uh, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in, in you. You know, it mentions the days of your youth. That's time. You know, all of us have time, and I, I, I'm past the time of my youth. I'm not young anymore. I don't pretend necessary sometimes to be young. I, I suppose maybe I do a little bit when I play games or uh, play basketball. I mean, you might say, well, I'm, I won't say this, but I probably haven't said this. I'm Michael Jordan. I haven't said that. I mean, I remember growing up, you know, as my youth, I'm Michael Jordan, you know. Michael Jordan was a good basketball player back then. And you're like, oh, that's a hook like so-and-so, or that's whatever it is. And uh, we can use our time on childish things, and we can use our time on fun things, and we can use our time on all kinds of things. And I'm not against fun, and I'm not against, again, that sort of thing, but the Bible says there in verse 9, but know thou that for all these things that will bring thee into judgment. How one spends their youth and how one spends their time is going to be judged. And I'm not here again to make people feel like they're in some kind of driving machine where they have to use every hour, every day, uh, again, doing something that's profitable and something, again, that seemingly, you know, maybe... Uh, you know, whatever seems to be what maybe they, others might uh, encourage them to do, etc. But there should be a balance in the use of our time. And so I want to talk about that balance in the use of time. You know, it's hard to balance your time. Every day I have a hard time balancing time. Because I know every day could be the last day of my life. Don't you ever think that in that terms? Today could be the last day of my life. This could be the last sermon I preach. This is the last day I can spend with my family. This is the last time, you know, I, I can do this or that. I know people don't always think that way, and I don't think that way all the time, but the reality is this could be the last day of your life. DeMar did a simple tackle. It didn't look anything fancy about that tackle situation. And after that tackle, he got up and he fell over, and it could have been the last day of his life. It could have been. We should use our time towards the will of God, live our life according to the will of God. That's, again, our desire. And so if we're going to talk about time, I want to say this. First of all, we need to take time for God. You know, if, if Damar and people don't learn this from what happened on the Monday light, uh, that you shouldn't take time for God or take time to consider eternity, uh, you've kind of lost, I believe, a message that God maybe wants us to learn from that situation. I mean, he was alive and then he was, in a sense, dead. Temporary, because he was resuscitated, but he could have been dead, just like Mike, who died at work that night. He died. I could give you his name. I could tell you his upbringing. I could tell you what city he's from. I mean, I was young at the time. And think about time. You should take time for God. And someone says, well, how should I take time for God? Seek the kingdom of God first. When you turn to Matthew chapter 6, are you seeking the kingdom of God first? I'm not saying you seek the kingdom of God, in a sense, first every day, but I'm saying to you, as a first and foremost thing in your life, are you seeking the kingdom of God first? I know there's struggles in entering the kingdom and understanding the things of the kingdom and all those kind of things, but 
Notice here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And uh, again, if you look at the context of this passage, you could see that, that we shouldn't be concerned about uh, so much, especially as Christians, about worldly things, as far as eating, drinking, all those kind of things. And then it gets to this in verse 33. It says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If we seek the things of God first, that would be good as far as use of time. So when it comes to time, how, how should I spend my time? Well, let me say this. If you're a Christian, let's turn to Psalm 119, 105. Uh, would you venture out in a dark night without a lamp or a light or a flashlight? I mean, if it was pitch dark out night and you needed to know where to God, maybe where you wanted to go. And again, I sometimes end up in my garage at night. Um, grabbing something or picking out something, maybe because we store things out there. But would I go out to that garage at night, although we do have a bigger light in, in, in our yard there, inside the garage, I turn a light on, that sort of thing. Would I, would I approach things without a light? Probably not. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You want to know what you should be doing in a given day? We should go be, spend some time in the Word of God getting some light there. Get some light there. So some, spend some time in the Word of God on a daily basis or on a regular basis. Again, the, thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Many Christians need to be reading their Bible each day to be given light. We need not only to, to get the, into the Bible every day to get light, but we also, if you turn over to Ephesians in the New Testament, let's go back into the New Testament there. Ephesians chapter 4, as, as we learn what the Bible would have us to do, we need to be practicing what the Bible tells us to do. And so, again, we get into the Word of God or we reflect on maybe a Bible verse during the day, maybe a particular passage or whatever it might be, on a particular day, and then we use that as light to lead us during the day. We also need to seek to practice what we hear or are challenged in in that area. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1, it says here, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where you are called, with all lowliness and, and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It goes on and talks about a lot of things, but as again, we learn to learn to see and learn to find what the Word of God says, we need to seek to practice that Word. So let's say you hear, like on a Sunday here, maybe, and again, I'm not saying you have to practice whatever I preach or whatever, but you hear about, of some have compassion making a difference. Maybe you just memorize that verse. And you say, that would be a good verse maybe to lead me in life. Of some have compassion making a difference. So I'm walking down the street and I see someone who's struggling at something that they're trying to do. Or I see someone that needs some help with something in an endeavor and, and what to do. Again, someone falls over, keels over, and you can perform CPR. What should you do there? Should I be like, uh, you know, some, you know, say, you know, there's someone else going to take care of this guy or someone can help him. I'm pretty busy. I'm on the way to work. I'm whatever I'm doing. I shouldn't stop here. No, I think you and I should be willing to stop and willing to help. And you might get injured, even hurt, by seeking to help. 
You guys hopefully remember still the story of Scott Kuzel, right? Maybe you never heard it. Scott Kuzel heard somebody crying like they needed help over in South Africa. He went there to try to help them. He was someone living by, of some having compassion, making a difference. Someone's crying out for help. And he ended up getting, in so many words, bushwhacked for trying to help someone. Anyways, he got away from the situation. His arm has been scarred. He's been hurt from the incident. But does that mean that he shouldn't have helped him in that situation? No, it doesn't mean someone shouldn't help someone in that situation. It means that, you know, you, you should strive to help people when you can help them in a situation. And it may hurt you sometimes to help someone in a situation. You know, I, I heard again, and I don't know the whole story, but it sounds like an NFL football player rescued his children from drowning. I haven't heard all the details yet, but he rescued his children from drowning. And right now he's in terrible shape as a result of that. I'm not sure exactly the shape he's in, but I, I think about people maybe that put their life in danger trying to help someone. Do, do you want to erase the firefighters from your life or the policemen or the first responders from your life and the doctors from your life? I don't think we do. We want them to be able to help. We want Christians to help. It. And so we should seek to walk worthy of the vocation we call and try to be helpful, try to be long-suffering, try to show meekness and all these kind of things and make a difference in people's lives. A life should be centered around seeking to no longer live the rest of our lifetime in the flesh, but to the will of God. And so there are a lot of things we can do. We talked about some things that we can do last week. And again, what should we do as far as God is concerned? We should pray to him. We should find out what his, his will is and seek to practice it. We should pray as we should. We should praise God as we should. We should worship God as we should. We should put God in a place that he belongs as someone who is first and foremost in our life. But let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If we don't learn that it's more, you know, God would have us just, you know, someone might say, well, it's all, all important and every important that we worship God, we love God and all those kinds of things, and I get that, but... The first commandment says that we shall love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's certainly sometimes hard to do. But I want you to take note of these words here from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, at verse number 15. He says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I will very gladly be spent and spent for you. How should we spend our time? Trying to be spent for other people. Spending up our life little by little for other people. You know, someone says, well, I'm, people are taking advantage of my life. They were taking a sense advantage of Paul's life. As he spent and spent his life for them, the more abundantly he loved them, because I believe he invested his life in them, the less he was loved by them. Sometimes the response to your love is not going to be what you want to see. It's not going to be what I want to see. It's not what others want to, want to see. You may spend yourself and spend yourself. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't seek to make a difference. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 3. Do you see someone who has a need and 
Is it in your power to maybe help them in that need? Is it in my power to help them in that need? 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We want to lay down our lives for the brethren. You know, we always point to the cross, and we say, that's how he loved us, but it seems to indicate he laid down his life during his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. It's not telling us there to lay ourselves on a cross for our brethren. It's telling us to lay down our life in a daily way for the brethren. It says, but whoso hath this world's need, and this helps define it, and seeing his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelt the love of God in him? So you see someone have a need. Then you seek to fill that need and be involved with that need. Again, as we think about how we should spend the will of God, some of our lives should be spent focusing our time on God. Some of our time should be focused on the lives of others. In verse number 18, it says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I'd rather see it, I'd rather experience it, I'd rather do it, so to speak, than just to talk about it. I love you. Show me it. Show me it. I love you, I'll show you it. I'll try to show you it. And if I'm not, then help me to show you it. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's how we can love by extending forgiveness to someone who needs forgiveness. On and on we could talk about how we could love others and how we ought to love God and spend time loving God and, and uh, those sorts of things. But let me say this finally as we think about life. Let's turn to James chapter 4 and verse 14. And we think about time and uh, we only have so much time and you know, often a preacher is given so much time to preach and a, a person only has so much life to live. Again, I don't know how many days or hours we have as far as our lifetime goes, but again, again, we only have so much life that we have to live. We should live it after the word of God and the will of God. James chapter four, verse number 14, it says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appear for a little time and then vanishes away. And so we know that life is brief. We know life is short. And so we should be someone considerate of our time. And so I want to say this. Finally, as we consider some thoughts on time, uh, again, let's just uh, consider a few thoughts here. Um, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Let me say this. First of all, take time to listen. Take time to listen. I'm glad for each one of you hearing this, this morning, this message, you're taking time to listen. Listen to the word of God. Listen to other people. Listen to the counsel that you receive. And uh, again, that's a good thing to do when it comes to your time. Take time to listen. Listen to instructions. Listen to direction. Listen to wisdom. Listen. Isaiah 55, verse number three, it says, Incline your ear. Come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Incline your ear, come and listen. And so listen to God. 
Listen to others. Let me say this secondly, learn. Turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Learn. I mean, think about what you should do with your time. You should be listening and then learning. Some, again, could be, in a sense, listening, and maybe it's for entertainment. You're not really listening to learn, but you're just listening to listen. Maybe listening to veg, listening to, to relax or whatever, listening to music, and maybe you're not really getting that much from it, but you're just listening. But learn. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 17, learn to do well. Just those first few words, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow, learn to do well. Learn to do that which is right. And so, again, that's a good thought. I mean, as far as time spent and time spent well. Learn, listen. We say this thirdly, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 17, and again, maybe this is cliche-ish, but laugh. Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 22. Again, laugh. I mean, our life is to have laugh. We are especially equipped to laugh. I've talked about that before when it comes to creation. We are the only creature, I believe, that truly laughs. That truly laughs. Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 22. They talk about laughing hyenas. That's not really true. But anyways, it says here in... uh, Verse 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. I mean, there's a time to weep. Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says. There's a time to laugh. So again, so take time to laugh. Enjoy life, rejoice in life. Uh, Have some good fun in life. Clean fun, as I talked about here the other day. But also, let me say this. Fourthly, take time to lift. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, lift. By that I mean, you know, we have the ability to help someone else. And again, I, I don't know what, what maybe God would have you or me to help someone in, but uh, we, we can help somebody else. It says that here in Ecclesiastes 4, verse number 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for the labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not one to help him up. You can help someone up. You can lift someone up. And so take time to laugh and take time to lift. And then finally, as you look back at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 8, so you think about a use of time and how we can use time to make a difference. Let me say this finally. Take time to love. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 8, it says, A time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, a time of peace. And it says in verse number 11, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work of God maketh from the beginning to end. I know that there is no good thing in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Time is a gift given to us graciously by God. And in having time, we should seek to, to love, to lift, to laugh, to learn. These are all good uses of our time. Let's turn back to our text, 1 Peter chapter 4. I just want to mention this in closing here. We have time. We have experienced time. 
It is a gift. First Peter chapter four, verse number two, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when he walked in lasciviousness and lust, access of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Skip down to verse number seven. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Again, we see some thoughts on making a difference through the time and through our life. Let me encourage you to make a difference, just like Denny Kellington did on Monday night. Let's close as we consider the Word of God here this morning.